This is a Soulfire production. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Glad that you're here. Glad that I'm here. I like to do this show on uh, Wednesdays, but it's a Thursday. It's a Thursday evening right now. It's windy as hell. And I'm just doing the thing. You know, I'm just out here doing the thing. That's what we can do. It's all we can do. Been building a website this week. That feels good. Um, the girl who works for Soulfire, her name's Madison. She's a really cool, really cool chick. Um, was we were trying to get this website done before she went on maternity leave. She was supposed to have her baby in a few weeks. And then uh, she went to labor. So, <laughs> so I've been back to doing my own website, first time in a while. Building that out. Coaching programs are coming soon. Built that page yesterday. So it's fun. Things are changing. Things are moving. The principal stuff seems to really be resonating with people, which I love because it makes so much fucking sense. It feels good. When you do something that seems to make sense and you think it makes sense, but then it also makes sense to other people. I mean, Politically Homeless was that uh, for a while. And now we do other things. And it's fun. We're going to go into some stuff that may seem political on the surface, but we're going to dig a layer deeper, as we tend to do. I'm trying to stay out. This is actually a really big news week for politics. And it felt so nice to be like, I don't need to know about all of this. (laughs) I don't need to know about all of this really at all. Um which felt really good and liberating, to be honest with you. And I'm glad you're here. The, the, I looked at the episode downloads. They're doing well. So know that if you're here, you're not the only one to stick with this thing. And um, the Instagram content, stuff like that, has been going really well. I don't know if you care. I don't know if that's something you're worried about. Uh, but it's actually been doing really great. And I've actually seen audience growth for the, for the first time. So maybe the shadow ban has been lifted as I've changed directions. Uh, and maybe people were just fatigued with politics, which I think is where a lot of us are. A lot of just the, the, the general fatigue. And when you think about this, like fatigue, right? Like this perpetual state of just being inundated with crazy madness all the time. Like when you're tired, right? Especially when you're tired and you're hungry, um, you're not the best person to be around probably, right? You get tired, you get grumpy, you got a short fuse. And I think that the incentives point in social media, media of most kinds to point us towards living that way, right? Maybe we're not physically tired, but we're at our wits end mentally, which puts us in a state of, of quick reaction. And, and I think we have to have, you know, as a collective, like compassion for people who are in that state most of the time, you know, it's, it's, you gotta kind of, I mean, I was there not long ago, you know, so I'm speaking from experience and it sucks. And I think, you know, especially when you get into this, you see these studies now, and Sagar posted something earlier about, and maybe we'll cover this on the show um, if I do a little more research, but just the the, the amount of people or the, the demographic breakdown of people taking SSRIs, and it's like mostly white women over 45. Like that's, that is these uh, SSRI market is white women over 45. And you also see this thing with like urban people, being people that live in cities, being more depressed, liberals being more depressed than conservatives. It's really interesting. It's like if you're in the fight, if you feel like you're in the fight that is unwinnable, I can totally empathize with you being 
cognitively fucked, <laughs> right? It's like you're in constant fight or flight and you have been told that your rights are under threat and maybe in some cases they have actually been infringed upon in your, in your view, you know, from either side, right? Whether it's abortion or guns, whatever it is, you know, you're in the state of, of a feeling like you're under threat. So the natural instinct is to dig your heels in and fight or flight, right? Which that flight might also correlate with the high rate of suicide that we have here as well. You know what I mean? You think about it on the real grand scheme of things. Like it's, it's kind of scary. We're not in a great place with that. We are not in a great place with that at all. And it's sad. It's weird. So that's what I've been thinking about. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. It's something to think about today. We're actually going to jump into Steven Crowder is going through a divorce. He's going through a divorce, which is sad. I think divorce is unfortunate, uh, even, if it's, even if it's the best thing. And I know a lot of people who have fought to stay married and it just hasn't worked. And I know that they're a lot happier now that they're divorced. I don't think divorce is, you know, bad, I guess, quote unquote bad. It's, it can be good, but it's, it's always hard. It's a lot. It brings up a lot of emotions, especially when one person wants it, one person doesn't. There's a lot going on there. But we're going to talk a little bit about what Steven Crowder has to say here and how he reacts to this, how he responds to it, and what we can maybe learn from this. Because Steven Crowder is someone who is dedicated to controversy, to fighting, to conflict, to triggering people. He gets off on it, right? It's his thing. And there's some stuff he's done that's been pretty decent, like the the prove me wrong type stuff on college campuses. I mean, there's some of that stuff's objectively pretty fun. But generally speaking, he just does what I don't think he believes half the shit he says, like many political commentators out there. And I, I think that he is doing what he is doing to be um, kind of grandiose and be kind of a troll, which is fine. If that's what you want to do for your business, like be my guest, not a problem, whatever. You're free to do your own thing. But I take a principled stance, as you guys know, on calling out ways that we are being manipulated. And when you can see someone in this state you can understand where he's at, what he's doing, and maybe you can take something away from it to apply to your own life when you're seeing this because, like, as we've just spoken about, like you're incentivized to be in fight or flight, right? To be Your nervous system is, is – like everything benefits commercially from your nervous system being ramped up and you being in fight or flight, right? You make snap decisions. You don't make good judgments. You, you get angry. You post something. You scroll. You do whatever. Right. And just because Steven Crowder is a pro second amendment guy does not mean he actually gives a fuck about you. And I think sometimes those like, Oh, somebody has the same ideas as me or believes or pretends to believe in the same things I believe in. So therefore that person must have my best interest at heart. That's not necessarily the case. So let's just dive into this and we'll kind of break it down. Uh, there we go. They updated my little software here and it's a little bit funky. So Steven Crowder, let's hear it. We're going to play this whole thing. Um, it says, Steven Crowder drops the news on Rumble that he's going through a divorce, basically accuses Candace Owens of extortion, and hence he might take legal ac action. Let's go. Uh, I have been living with a proverbial boot on my neck for going on years now. Uh, since 2021, I've been living through what has increasingly been a horrendous divorce. Now, let me say on the outset, to be clear, there is no infidelity, any kind of physical abuse at all on either side. And no, this was not uh, my choice. My then wife decided that she didn't want to be married anymore. 
And in the state of Texas, that is completely permitted. It's been the most heartbreaking experience of my life. What I consider to be my deepest personal failure. And just so you know, my opinions on parenting and families have not changed. Um, I've always believed that children need a mom and a dad, that divorce is horrible. And I still believe that children need a mom and a dad and that divorce is horrible. But in today's legal system, my beliefs don't matter. In Texas, divorce is permitted when one party wants it, period. So for well over a year... Uh, so he's been, I mean, look at what he's alluding to there, right? Like this is a person who's pro-freedom or purports to be pro-freedom who's suggesting that he doesn't think that divorce should be legal because he doesn't want to get a divorce. I mean, I understand again, I think it's better if parent, if families stay intact, if it's a healthy dynamic, clearly, if your wife didn't want to be with you anymore, it wasn't a healthy dynamic for her. And she thought she'd be better off not married to you. And it, that's the case. I don't think that there should be some kind of legal barrier to her making that decision for herself. But that's what Stephen, the, the pro freedom Stephen Crowder is alluding to here. Do you see how this 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 can be a window into the way this guy thinks? And and this is not just him. This isn't exclusive to him. I don't really care about his personal life, right? I don't really want to expose his personal life, but he's putting this out there, and this gives us a deeper look into how people are being ginned up into this this fury over one another, right? By people like Steven. And I don't think that his words equate to violence. We're not going, I don't know. He's free to say whatever he wants. And I'm also free to point out the way cognitively this, this process works that can lead us into being manipulated. We're easily easier to manipulate than we would like to think. Let's continue. Uh, well over a year in the best interest, as well as physical safety of my children, we've decided to keep this issue private and to resolve it uh, privately with the appropriate attorneys, what have you, legal jargon. And all this, one thing I want to be really clear about is certain. True North here is that my children are blameless, completely without fault. And so we decided to resolve these issues privately as it's in their best interests, uh, both emotionally and physically, to do so. Now, the other issue is, and this is something that I've kept private for likely far too long. Um, many other people knew about this behind the scenes. Some, not all, but some of them in positions of power, influence, leverage, knew of this. They also knew that the safety of my children included keeping it private. So if you're familiar... Okay, so that's like the fourth time he's brought up his children here. And yes, it's better for everyone if this is kept private, right? That being said, I, and you're going to get into this and what Candace said and these different things, like you're seeing Steven now multiple times in this one segment become a victim, right? Somebody who rails against victim culture, all these things. He, now he's a victim. He's a victim because his wife is leaving him. He's a victim because Candace Owens alluded to him having going through a hard time, which we'll get into his children are victims. He's now taken on the victim role, right? The same person who tells you that, you know, you can't be a victim. Victimhood is very obscure. Very Now is taking on the victim role. So the person, you see what I'm saying? How this, this, this deep seated hypocrisy, right? Which is the result of narcissism. And as somebody who rates high in narcissism, let's be real. I'm sitting in front of a fucking camera right now. I get it, right? 
It's something you have to be really keenly aware of when you rank high in something like that. And it takes self-awareness and it takes being humbled, right? But you'll see Steven surrounds himself with yes men. And this is the type of people that we have influencing a lot of discourse when they're telling you that no one else can be a victim, but I can be a victim. Ben Shapiro does the same thing. It's very odd. Here with the idea of extortion, then you know the feeling well. Uh, Now, some of these threats were so thinly veiled that I'm frankly surprised you didn't all guess immediately. Stephen has a lot going on, I guess is the best way to say. He has a lot going on, and that should be clear because people don't do stuff like this if there's not a lot going on in their lives. I would like to implore my audience and everybody that isn't paying attention to this situation not to condemn him, but to pray for him. Sometimes people need a prayer. Sometimes people need a scripture. You know, Stephen purports to be a Christian. I am unsure at this moment if if it is my place to say more than that. You know, maybe if I feel in further defense, something should be said. Or maybe if I feel that the public has a right to understand certain circumstances. Well, my children have a right to privacy. Now, some other uh, issues have been, uh, or I should say... Okay, so this is a person who's saying his children have a right to privacy. Now, what this is alluding to, what Candace was saying there, was in response to Stephen throwing a temper tantrum because the Daily Wire offered him $10 million or something like that. Some absurd amount of money to come over to the Daily Wire. And then Stephen recorded a private phone call with Jeremy Boring, who, again, I don't like really any of these people that much, right? I like what Candace does with the vaccine stuff, but that's that's where her her and I overlap on the Venn diagram in very few spots. So Stephen violates someone else's privacy, shares that publicly, takes things out of context, cries like a little bitch about getting not, what is it? 10 or $50 million, whatever some that money that was that the daily wire offered him throws a tantrum. Candace says he's going through a lot, right? And Stephen takes on more of a victim role here. Like deep, he's getting deep into the victim status here. By now, she's extorting him by threatening to expose the privacy in his life because of his kids. And notice how a lot of people do this. It's because of the kids on either side of the aisle, right? Trans kids are going to commit suicide if they don't get, you know, gender affirming care before they're 11 years old or, uh, you know, the, the, the groomers and the other things. It's like always about the kids, right? That's a way to cater to your emotions. Right, Because everybody gets emotionally invested when it comes to protecting children and whatever you may deem protecting them, even if it's erroneous. So look at what's going on here. right? Like let's, We're digging a little bit deeper here into this. And we're seeing a bastion of the right take on full victim status here. And I guess he is going through a lot. But he's projecting that out onto other people where that blame really makes no sense. Uh... Inferences have been more pernicious behind the scenes with demands and threats to use this information that they believe would be... Prove it. Prove it. Right? Prove it. That's the case. You already, we've already established that you'll share private phone calls and different things like that. So prove it, Stephen. If there are more threats, screenshots. Share it. But you're lying. That's, what, that's what's going on. You're lying because you're taking on... The crazy victim role. This is the same guy during like the Me Too movement who was like, spe- like, well, women need to be able to prove it. Prove it then, Stephen. Let's continue. Uh, so publicly embarrassing to me and my wife at a difficult time that it could be used, knowingly putting my children in 
harm's way. So still don't understand why your children are Christians, harm's way. conservatives, and allies. And now they've both kind of catered to their faith, right? Candace says Stephen purports to be a Christian, and he's like, "Well, these people that claim to be Christians are trying to extort me." You see how that gets thrown around too? It's like, oh, but are they the real Christians? Are they the, and that's one thing Christians do a lot is like, well, the people that don't do what I like, what I see as Christianity, aren't real Christians. As if you have, as if they don't believe the exact same thing about you, and it's not equally as valid, right? So see that there. That that's another way that you. Okay, now we've got the kids involved, and now we've got your beliefs involved. Right, something you also care deeply about the structure, right, the scaffolding of your life. We now involve that and using that to manipulate you to take my side. This is gaslighting, big time. And the reason I'm playing this is for that reason, to show like how this works and how subtle it is. Especially if you're a fan, it's really easy to get people in this trap. Well, not in my book. Now, if you find yourself, I don't want to get into details. So this is going to likely be the only time I have to address this or want to address this. If you're asking yourself, hey, did X person or did Y person know? The answer is likely yes, which will be made alarmingly clear as this process of discovery continues. Uh, and it also, by the way, makes me that much more appreciative of those who did know about this and in understanding the best interests of my family, my children, kept their word and used discretion. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Sincerely, I appreciate it. Won't forget it. It's, it's pretty simple. Um, I loved a woman so much that I married her. A woman who, despite all of this, I still love as the mother of my children. And she wanted something else for her life. That's not my choice. She simply wanted out, and the law says that that's how it works. Now, of course, look, I get it. There are multiple sides to every story, but one thing that is undeniable uh, in this case is that it's no one's fault but my own in that I picked wrong, and that's certainly not the fault of my children. So the blame, so he's taking responsibility for picking the wrong person. That's what he's taking responsibility for. He picked the wrong person. I can't imagine, right? Say Kelly and I got divorced, and I we have a child. I can't imagine saying, oh, I picked the wrong person. That's the problem. I picked the wrong person. I have a child that I love more than any thing, person, whatever, that is, has blown my heart up in a way that I can't even understand and I still struggle to even like comprehend. For me to even consider the fact that I'm not exactly where I'm supposed to be right now, even if it doesn't work out down the road, it is, is an insane thing to say. You picked wrong. If you would have picked different, you wouldn't have those kids, man. Like, take responsibility in a way that actually has substance here. Like, I'm sure it wasn't about you picking wrong. Man, this is hard to watch, guys. And uh, I will say that what's in the best interest of my children um, is not internet drama, speculation, certainly not blatant or veiled shakedowns or dragging their father or mother. And I can't be clear on that enough. Or their mother through the mud. And to anyone who tries it, I'm no longer going to pacify, capitulate, or sidestep because I love them a whole lot more than I love you. And I will continue to do whatever is necessary to protect my children, discussing the divorce any further on social media or on this show or in any public space is not what's best for them. I'll be handling this through the proper legal avenues and channels available as a matter of record in which I have more than full confidence. So I'd ask that you understand the need for... 
Okay, so that's about that. So this person who gets off on public attention and triggering people and saying absurd things um, and wild shit and trying to be funny, kind of a failed comic child actor guy who's found success and the mug club does a lot. He does a lot, makes a lot more money than I do over here, right? But we're still talking about this. You know, he's in this place where the attention that he wants when he wants it, and I'm sure he's given people attention that didn't really want the attention that he put on them, right? <laughs> With no remorse. Now all is like crying for privacy and, and, and upset that his public displays or public, his private life became public. When he had zero concerns about that when he was doing the exact same thing to other people. And just to think like that, like he said he picked wrong, right? I'm going to play you one more clip for Steve, from Stephen Crowder right here. Mattel came out with a Down Syndrome Barbie. Okay? They came out with a Barbie for Down Syndrome. I want to be clear about this. I have defended the use of the word retarded. Not in describing people with cognitive disabilities, and I do not think it is appropriate. I think it's absolutely fucking disgusting to call someone with any kind of cognitive disability retarded. I think that is gross. I think if you call your friend retarded or something or an inanimate object, whatever, the, the, the term has changed. But we've got to be really mindful about how we go about using a word that has a lot of pain attached to it for people who have dealt with bullying and harassment who have, had, who have, who have a cognitive disability. It's really not okay. And when I saw that Mattel launched this Down Center Barbie, I'm like, you know, that's cool, right? Like some kids may have a brother or a sister with Down syndrome and they want to play with them and have a, a doll that relates to them. It's like, is it going to sell a ton? Like maybe not, maybe not, but like think about kids that go to like, um, a, like a, a school daycare or, or in like a special ed class, like having some dolls that can like reflect them. It's really cool. And you know, I, I, when I was in college for one of my classes that we, um, had different assignments that we could work with different people with different disabilities. And that was something we learned in one of the social services classes. And you could like, we, we could pick a couple different things. You could go work with kids that had special needs or you could go, play like wheelchair basketball and just to get an understanding of how to run programs like that. Cause I was in a health and fitness management major in college and I spent my time when in those electives, um, working with kids that had cognitive disabilities. And I will tell you this, right? I, I understand that that is a challenge, but those kids and adults really, and even though that show love on the spectrum, they're so beautiful, dude. Like there's something in it. And I hate to say it like that. There's simple, there's like a simple beauty to it, but like the way they see the world is is simple in a way that is impressingly beautiful. It's, it's we, and I know that I don't mean to be offensive in saying that I'm trying not to here, but it's that, that perspective is something that I actually really valued and just hanging out and communicating with these kids. Like we did one, we went to an amusement park, which was really fun. One time we had a lot of these kids, um, get scared at night, different things like that. So we had like a, an, a camp out, but like in a gymnasium at this special ed school in Austin, it was really cool. And I, and I really enjoyed and valued like that time I got to spend. It wasn't a ton, you know, it was like a few days here and there on the weekends. Like I, like I said, as electives. Um, but I, I really, I saw the beauty in that. Right. And the way that Steven approaches this down syndrome Barbie launch might give you some insight into the type of person this is. And I thought this was just, let's just play it. We'll get into it. The world's first Barbie with down syndrome will give children the opportunity to play with more inclusive dolls. This doll is breaking barriers by creating the first fashion doll yeah, with, with retard down strength. Is this real? Allowing he just said it with with retard strength. A grown man, a grown man, 
is making fun of a Down Syndrome doll and saying it has retard strength. More children to project their future through fashion doll play and imagine what is possible. Mattel, Barbie's parent company, announced the oh, new no. figures will soon be hitting store <laughs> oh, shelves. No. Well, here's the thing. They, they really have been going full bore, and Mattel actually announced plans to expand this uh, in the name of diversity uh, before the end of the year with sickle cell Barbie. Oh, for the So that's God. something they also, you know, look, everyone's. <laughs> the world's first bar- Really? And you wonder why. And you wonder why. You're single now, Stephen. You really, you're curious as to why you picked wrong. Your wife left you because you picked wrong. Maybe you should pick an insufferable cunt because that's who, that's exactly who you deserve. I cannot fucking believe this. Like I try not to get like worked up and angry on this show, but this like, if I would have been in the room with him, we would have been in a fucking fight. Like this is, this is what listen to the first part of this again barbie with down syndrome giggling like 12 year old boys give children the opportunity to play with more inclusive dolls this doll is breaking barriers by creating the first fashion doll yeah with, with retard strength with retard strength what an absolute piece of shit steven crowder is wow dude Anyways, moving on. (laughs) Fuck. God, that makes me so mad. It makes me so mad, dude. Oh, I want to beat his ass so bad. I know it's like the fucking most childish, like it's, it's reacting to like childish bullshit with childish bullshit, but I want to beat Steven Crowder's ass so bad. That's not a credible act of violence moderators, but fuck that pisses me off. Like what an incompassionate, self-righteous, narcissistic fucking prick. And I hope, you know what, Steven? I hope you see this. Let's do it. Let's fight. You want to fight? Let's fight. We can fight. It's going to be fucking fun. <laughs> It'll be fucking fun. Let's do it. We can do some kind of exhibition thing. Two loudmouth narcissists fighting each other over the term retard. Jesus Christ. I just can't fucking, I can't fucking. Who the fuck does that? Like, who does that? Who thinks that's appropriate? I cannot, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And this is the same guy who's a victim. This guy's a victim. Because kids with, with cognitive disabilities have the opportunity to play with toys that look like them. That's a problem, Stephen. That's a problem. I mean, you can get AR-15s that are leopard printed, and that's fine, right? Even though that's dumber and shit. That's fine. You know, you can get pink ones and all kinds of crazy shit. But a girl with Down syndrome being able to get a Barbie that looks like her is stupid. I mean, come on, dude. Grow the fuck up. Like, that's all I can say about that. I'm just like, that fucking hurts. It hurts. It fucking hurts to, like, see a grown man who's found success in this industry, like, behave this way. Oh, man. Let's just move on. Fucking A. Fucking A. So as a lot of you guys know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is running for president as a Democrat. I will be voting my ass off for him in the primary. 
That's it. <laughs> That's my full endorsement. I'm not voting for Operation Warp Speed guy. Uh, I'm not going to be doing that. I'll probably be voting a uh, third party in the primary or in the uh, in the general election because I'm not voting for Trump or Biden. Um, but in the primary, I will be voting for Robert F. Kennedy. If you like Robert F. Kennedy and you're like, I don't think he can win. I've heard that from a few people, especially in Texas. Like, I don't think he can win. I don't think he can win. Doesn't matter. If you have an open primary state, if you're registered as an independent like me or a Democrat or a Republican, you can vote in all the primaries. So if you're in an open primary state, Texas is one. I have a lot of followers in Texas. Texans, if you like this show, you probably like what Robert F. Kennedy is about. That means you can go out in the open primary, even if you're a Republican, and vote for Robert F. Kennedy in the Democratic primary. Take your time. Do it. it is, if, 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 no, if for no other reason than to just make Biden look like an asshole. If you can do it, if you have the ability to do it, if you have the time to do it, go do it. It actually means a lot. It upsets the Democratic establishment. And just like the Republican establishment, it needs to be upset. It's better for everyone for us to have two robust parties. And that is not being done by the establishment. Let's liberate ourselves from this bullshit. That's all I have to say about that. Now. Moving on, <laughs> my, my brief endorsement of Robert F. Kennedy. God, I wish I could work on his campaign. It'd be so fun. But we're going to have some uh, Democrat talk, talk, DNC talking head here on Fox News. I don't know why she's there, but just she clowns herself. But I want you to look at some of this polling, right? So you'll see this line coming up and up again. Again, as a, as a, as a form of manipulation. Right, it's, it's some NLP, neuro linguistic programming. It's whenever you hear about Marianne Williamson or Robert F. Kennedy Jr. You have this um, long shot candidate. You'll hear see a lot right in front of his name. Just look it up. Just Google it. Google RFK Jr. Uh, presidential bid. You'll see all of these political articles, hit pieces. Long shot candidate, anti-vax candidate, not legitimate candidate. Right now, they'll treat someone like Ron DeSantis as a legitimate candidate in the Republican primary, even though he ganders like or gets like fourteen percent in polling. Right. So we're saying, okay, where's the bar? Because they're going to treat people like Nikki Haley, who's at like 1%, as a serious candidate on the Republican side, right? So that's serious, because for whatever reason. But let's look at the polling here that Fox News shares about the Democratic primary. We can, we can pop some of this up. New Fox polling shows that while Biden is backed by 62% of Democratic primary voters, his challengers, Robert Kennedy Jr. and Marianne Williamson, have a combined 28%. I mean, that's not an also-ran number. That, that's a significant number. That's almost a third of voters are, are looking at somebody else in the race. Whether they would choose those two or not, they're looking at somebody else. Your thoughts? There are also polls that came out recently that show President Biden absolutely crushing former President Donald So she didn't address it at all. She said there's also polls showing Biden beating Trump, which is highly unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> given the way things have gone, doesn't address it at all. They do not even address this at all. Again, this is a form of manipulation. I'm not bringing this up to get political. That's not what this is about. Look at how little these people think of you. Look at how little they, th you think these people, they, 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 they say things like we're going to protect democracy. Our democracy is important. When it came to the January 6th stuff, it's the, our democracy is under threat. Our democracy is always under threat when all the democratic establishment does is try to circumvent democracy. They don't want you to have options. They want to make the choice for you and then let you know what it is.
It's gaslighting. The Republicans do it too. You think Tucker's gone from Fox for no fucking reason? Come on, man. Come on, man. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Uh, Listen, this is wild. It's absolutely wild. 19%. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. does not even have merch yet. I tried to buy it from his website. The dude doesn't even have merch, and he's at 19%. That's a real chance. That is a real chance. And they'll do everything they can to avoid the democratic process by not doing debates. I don't I'm not even confident that Biden can say his ABCs, guys. But we look at this and we got to be able to sniff this stuff out. He's not a long shot candidate. He is a viable candidate for the Democratic nomination for president. He is a viable candidate. He's one of the only, I mean, listen to this, like things that were, if if you're like me, right? We we all kind of have this anti-authoritarian bend to us, right? Well, where's the authoritarian overreach come from? The intelligence community is, owns both political parties, corporate interests, right? Who has a track record of confronting these things in a productive way? Who has a track record of confronting these things in a productive way? An environmental lawyer who's dealt with regulatory capture at the EPA? Right, and has seen that trend and seen that pattern and fought against it, whose uncle and likely his father were killed by these intelligence communities. It's all but fact at this point. Right? If you think Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, you're on meth. So when I look at this and I say, Well, this this woman here can't even say, Hey, here's what Biden's done, here's why Biden's the right candidate. She can't even respect you enough to make that claim or attempt to make a claim, she turns it to who? The orange man, Operation Warp Speed guy. The guy who started writing blank checks to the pharma industry. Yes, that's right. Everybody's favorite, Donald Trump. Don't forget. Never forget. That's where that came from. The guy that didn't fire Anthony Fauci. Right? So when you look at somebody who speaks from your principles, we got to think about this. Is it a long shot? Sure, maybe. But at 19% after a weekend with no real media appearances outside of a, just a couple of small outlets and an announcement? And the way that all the media that we despise, all the people that, that are interested in us hating each other and hating our neighbors and all of these folks, right? They're either hardcore Biden or hardcore Trump in a lot of ways. And who's outside of that? Who's outside of that? That's what I'm looking at. And no one wants to make that. They won't, they don't want to make an argument based on substance. They want to distract. Let's continue. Trump. Look, the reality is we're going to have another matchup in 2024 between likely President Biden and President Donald Trump. And I think the results I, I know will you want be it the to same. Be him. And I believe and that's you what believe it's going that to it be. will be. I, I don't think that. I know you guys on the far right really want Ron DeSantis to be the nominee, but I don't well, think I, he I don't has know the who charisma, you're, personality you're to talking to in terms of uh, the you guys. entertainer in chief. <laughs> I, I know that that wasn't meant for me. I don't think. I think it's going to be Trump, and <laughs> I'm I think a it's going to be Biden, and it's going to be a matchup, and the results will be the same. So, and hopefully, the, yeah. Okay, the results sure will be the same. So look, delusion. Um, how fair is it that there wouldn't even be a debate that the Biden? How fair is it? Now, this guy who posted this is a uh, like a lefty 
it's trash. Like this, this you read down here is just like it's it's absurd. Um, the their main point here was this woman I forget her name um, calling herself a journalist. That's what they pointed out. How fair is it? That's a real question though. How fair is it for you and me as citizens of the United States of America that we don't get to choose whether or not there's a debate? Don't you think that that's up to us whether we want to see a debate or not? I want to see that corpse up there trying to defend himself. I want to see him ask challenging questions. He didn't even make his announcement for president in a live rally like most presidents do. He did it in a Twitter video that could be edited. And they still delusionally think that he's the best chance they have to beat Donald Trump, who's very likely to be the candidate. And then what do we get after that, right? If we think deeper about this, what do we get after that? More division, more hate your neighbor, more threats to democracy. But this whole time, we'll have RFK Jr. looking at this whole situation. And you might be convinced not to get out and vote in a primary because you think he's a long shot and that he can't win. But if you like him and he aligns with your principles and you don't take that time to go do that, maybe you're just part of the problem. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you don't really give a fuck. Just a thought. Moving on. All right. So this is Chris Williamson. I actually got to spend some time with Chris Williamson not long ago, a few months ago. Super solid dude. Really like this guy. Really like his podcast. Like what he's doing. Big fan. Uh, and also just super, just like fun guy to talk to. He, he really is the way, the way that he is on this podcast is how he is in interaction, sitting around at a bar, shooting the shit. We had a great time. Me, Will Roush and him. Awesome. And a few other dudes, but it was just really, it was a really, really interesting. We were at the heterodox uh, conference. It was really fun. Um, but I was really grateful to spend some time with him, but I saw this clip come up. And we're going to play through it because I just want to, I thought this was interesting as well. Like I'm really wanting to dive into some clips lately and just like dig a layer deeper here. So let's just check this out real quick. Men, they don't so much need love. They want respect. If they had to choose between love and respect from their mate, they would choose respect. Women need love. They want to be loved and adored and everything else. Men, different. So I so that's Cam Haynes. Cam Haynes is a uh, long distance runner and an elk hunter. Um, he's an Under Armour athlete. He is a hardworking, hard-nosed dude. Yeah. So um, what he's saying there is that men would choose respect over love and that women would choose love over respect. Now, while Cam is skilled in several things um, and an impressive individual, that's got to be one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard come out of a human being's mouth. Love is a very interesting term. It's a very broad word. A lot of things are nested inside of, like a little Russian nesting doll, of love, right? Adoration, respect, consideration, empathy. Like there's a lot going on in there, right? And it'd be important, like the, the follow-up question would be like, well, what, what does love mean to you, right? Because it seems like and love evolves too. Like that's one thing about love that's really interesting. Like your love for your partner or your family, like these things change over time and you start to appreciate but I can't say that if you had to choose, well, do you love or respect your wife? I would say that the respect is a part of the love, right? And the way she, I, I show her respect is different than the way she shows me respect. 
but I can't say I'd rather be respected than loved, right? That seems very isolating to me, right? To be respected, it almost has like an air of fear to it, right? Versus being loved. I would like, I think that, they, that they're not mutually exclusive. We have this like, this reductionist view that you have like love or respect. It's part of the manosphere too. It's like manosphere of things going on where it's like, that's not, you're not really embracing the full kind of holistic picture of, of human, hum, humanness in that, right? But if you reduce it down to that, I think you end up painting yourself into a corner. Do I want love or respect? That doesn't really make, does that, I may be just completely off base here, but that doesn't make any sense at all to me, right? Love, lasting relationships, committed relationships involve lots of things. As a man, and a relatively masculine man, I can't say that I'd rather be respected than love. That doesn't make that doesn't resonate with me whatsoever. Right? And maybe that has to do with kind of my experiences in life and where that's left me. But when we look at it and we think about how men generally speaking want to reduce things down to something that simple. Right? So I'm responding to Cam here saying, "Hey, I think I'd actually rather be loved than respected." but I don't see how you can have one without the other. How can you love someone you don't respect? And how can you re- like, that doesn't make any sense. You can respect someone you don't love. Like I respect cam. I don't love him. Right. But I don't know how I could love someone. I don't respect. And I had a previous relationship when I lost respect for my partner, which I finally did deservedly. I couldn't love her anymore. And it was over. Once the respect was gone for her, I was emotionally t- done. Like it was, it was like, boom, it's over. It was weird. So I think that, and even if I ask my wife this, I think it's like, those two things are so intertwined when it comes to romantic relationships. It's just hard to distinguish the two. Now, Chris being the excellent interviewer that he is completely changes directions here. and goes into something really interesting that I also wanted to bring up when it comes to the behavior of men. I had a psychotherapist called Adam Lane Smith on my podcast, and he said that male depression gets treated like female depression. Men are made to feel loved and accepted when all they want to do is feel capable and powerful. He used this example of the Blitz in World War II. Before the war started, there were these psychiatric wards, and they had patients. These patients had been totally comatose, unresponsive. Then the Blitz starts. So there were fires, and there were injuries all over London, and there were ambulances and fire engines, and there was no one to drive them. These men got up and started driving fire engines and ambulances these men that had been unresponsive for years and years and years give a man a purpose and the ability to achieve it. And he will crawl over broken glass with Mm -hmm. a smile. Really well said. And here's the thing. I think that there's, you see this in self-help and therapy, a lot of these different, different modalities here that generally speaking, and there are outliers of course, but generally speaking, men are driven by purpose and progress. That's why Men in the gym can pursue tangible, very tangible things, right? The weight goes up. There's the bar. The barbell is a fucking barbell. The weights of the weights, they don't change. They are what they are, right? Unless you're the liver king and then you, you know, do some weird shit, (laughs) but the weights don't change. You can tell, you can literally tangibly feel, right? Your progress. When you go from being able to deadlift 500 to be able to deadlift 600, that is a, a tangible difference. You've done the thing. And I think a lot of times male depression does get treated like female depression, which female depression, generally speaking, is a lot more nuanced. 
if you're a man and you're struggling with depression and you aren't feeling progress in your life and something you're passionate about, that's probably has something to do with it, right? If you haven't found a passion, maybe you work a job you fucking hate and yeah, you may progress in that, but it doesn't have any substance to you. If you haven't found something you're passionate about, if you haven't, don't, don't live a principled life and you don't know what those things are that will matter when you move the needle, fuck yeah, you're going to be depressed, dude. That's why we have the capacity to be depressed is to let us know oftentimes if we're not up to our potential, if we're not moving in a direction, we have men oftentimes have to move the fucking needle. We've got to. It's, it's, it's in us, right? And it takes work. And this is not to undermine or belittle mental illness. That's not what this is about. I'm not talking about people that have clinical depression. I'm talking about people that struggle with depression and bouts, acute depression. If you can't find that fucking thing that you are passionate about and tangibly improve at this, right? And I know this so well. I love this fucking podcast. I love sitting down and doing this. I love having conversations. And when I got shadow banned and shit was moving the wrong direction and everything stalled out, I was so goddamn depressed. Because something I cared about that I fucking worked for was getting stolen from me. And it wasn't working. And I had to reevaluate. It took months. To come back and be like, all right, change directions. Boom, now things move again. All right, cool. That's where we're at right now. We're moving. Things are tangibly moving. The numbers go up. Things change. Feel better. In the gym, I'm in there. How many days a week am I in there? That's a tangible thing. Is it five? Is it four? I want to get in there at least four, right? How's my golf game going? I have these tangible things that I'm passionate about, that I care about, right? Am I putting in the work? Am I, am I, when I'm out elk hunting, am I seeing elk? Am I moving in the right direction? Am I, am I, do I have an understanding of what I'm doing or do I feel confused? These are all things that I can grasp that I care about. Knowing that I have a tendency to stall out and that leads to depression, which makes me not want to do things, which doesn't help, which then leads to me more depressed and frustrated. Right? That is a typical male cycle. I'm not a woman, so I can't speak to the typical female cycle. But I think a lot of that has to do with comfortability and access to oneself internally. I think that that's general feminine masculine separation there, right? Internal versus external, tangible versus intangible. And I think we can't treat them all as a one-size-fits-all thing. And what Chris did there was articulate something beautifully that I think, and it shows, right? You can see that in men. Now, if you're making progress in something you don't care about, that might put the band-aid on it for a while, but you've got to find the passion, man. You've got to find the passion in your life and move towards it, right? Progress through it. And those passions may change, but if you don't have a thing in your life or you want to show up as the best version of yourself to that thing, you're not fucking living, my man. You are not living. That's something we're thinking about. Speaking of something worth thinking about, I'm about to give you something to think about on my favorite segment of the show. You know it is. It's here. It's time. Let's go. All right. Buckle up. Motherfuckers. So, you guys know I give Christians a little bit of a hard time, and it is not that I don't like Christians. 
It said, I have an issue with dogma. I have a issue with overreach. I have an issue, an issue with overreach. <sighs> but I have a lot of friends that are Christians and I like a lot of people that are Christians and I have this consistent interaction in my life at the coffee shop at Red Silo Coffee Roasters in Arvada, Colorado. I go there once or twice a week and a lot of the time when I'm in there, there's an older, my, older man and his wife sitting at the same table right by the exit. And I know if I walk in and they are there that I'm going to be in that coffee shop for at least 20, maybe 30 minutes talking about God knows what, all kinds of things. And me and this man always sit and shoot the shit about whatever. And I grew up in a small town in Texas, and that is a way to live life. If you're not routinely running into people and shooting the shit, you are missing out. It is quality engagement. But there's something about this man that's a little different than most people I interact with. This man is what I, something I would call a super Christian. He's been on missionary trips for extended periods of time and all across all over the world. Um, New Guinea, Zimbabwe, who fucking knows? All over the place, right? Me and this guy, if we were to get into our political ideology, our religious ideology, could not be further apart. But I say, I can say this confidently, I leave every interaction with that guy smiling. And he's always really happy to see me. He doesn't know shit about me. He doesn't know what I do in my personal life. He doesn't know much about me. But me and this guy could not be further apart ideologically. But every time I see him, we have a positive, friendly, and fun interaction. And so you got to think, right? The way the world's set up, the way we see the world is through the lens of hatred and division and frustration. Right? We saw that with the Steven Crowder video. People are primed for conflict. If they can't find conflict outside of themselves, they'll find it with their in circle. They are, they're hungry for conflict. But in reality, all we got to do is recognize that even though we may be ideologically different, spiritually very different, with way different ideas, we're all just people, man, and we're just going to bump into each other. We're going to keep moving around and doing our thing until we're dead, and then who knows what happens. But I choose to think that reality is much closer to what I experience once a week at the coffee shop when I run into the super Christian man and leave smiling, I think that's closer to reality than whatever this bullshit is we're being sold by every media outlet that wants us to be divided and frustrated and in fight or flight and disgusted and and consuming and doing nothing, trying to fill a void that they've created in us. So, the thing of it is, in my opinion, is that you kind of get to choose which reality you want to perceive and which reality you want to live in. Do you want to be incentivized by somebody to hate your neighbors because they're not Christians or because they don't, they voted for Biden or because they voted for Trump or because they're pro-choice or they're pro-life or they have guns or they don't have guns? Is that what you want to do? Do you want to live in that reality? Or do you want to talk about how cute your kid is with an older man telling you how fast they grow up? It's up to you, but it's something to think about. You guys are awesome. Glad you're here. Join the Patreon. Do it. Patreon.com slash Connor Wanders. And until next time, keep your head on straight. Bye-bye.